would like to back up, kind of reintroduce it, hopefully briefly, and then try to go a little further. I probably got half as far as I'd hoped to have gotten last week, but that's okay, I think. So let's begin our class with prayer. Father, we thank you for this moment. We just pray that uh, our study together will be of benefit for your purpose. I pray that you would give us wisdom and good judgment about these things as we seek to know your will and know your truth and be conformed to it and communicate it to the world about us. Bless our conversation here that it might be a strength unto the body of Christ that meets in this place. We invite your presence. We worship you and praise you today as you're worthy of our worship and praise. It's through Christ we pray these things. Amen. All right, good morning. We'll try to quickly catch up where we were last week, and I was asking you to give me some feedback. We're talking about listening to God, and as a reminder in Exodus, it says, if you listen carefully. In other words, be careful how you listen, and it goes on down and says, hey, if you pay attention to his commands. In other words, you be careful how you listen, you be careful how you pay attention to God as he would speak to you. Hear, O my people, while I admonish you. O Israel, if you would but listen to me. And I would suggest to you today God is saying much the same. O America, if you would but listen to me. O church, if you would but listen to me. O Steve, if you would but listen to me. Amen. In Psalms it says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So we, we started looking at how does God speak to us today? Is God still speaking? Does God have something to say to you and me? And are we listening? I would suggest that... Uh, I think I confessed last week that sometimes I'm a rather passive listener. My wife will come up to me and say, Hey, John and Mary are coming over Friday night. This is like Thursday. And I'm like, Well, I didn't know. And she'll say, Well, sure you did. I told you two weeks ago and I told you again last week. Have you had that experience? I, Steve can be a rather passive listener sometimes. And I'm afraid that uh, as Christians we can sometimes be rather passive listeners where we don't listen too intently to what God is trying to say to us. What do we mean by that? How does God uh, speak to us today? I suggested last week, uh, number one, that God speaks to us primarily through his word. And you'll understand why I use the word primarily here shortly. That God speaks to us primarily through his word. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for what? Doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Oh, and I like Second Peter 1, 3 through 4. His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, 
that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. His divine power hath given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. And we said last week in the word of God, he's given us all things that we need unto life and godliness. We don't need to add one thing to it or take one thing from it. It is sufficient unto us. If you have a question about relationships, God has something to say about relationships. If you have a question about money, God has something to say about money. If you have a question about winning the lost, God has something to say about winning the lost. Amen? There's some portion of scripture that speaks to it, and we don't seek to add to or take away from it. Jesus himself himself said such, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech. Jesus is using a metaphor. He's saying that you and I should be like sheep who recognize the shepherd's voice. He goes on to Say, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. And from what I know about shepherding, that's true. A sheep will not follow a stranger's voice, but will easily discern their shepherd's voice. And I suggest to you, the natural walk of the Spirit-filled, committed believer is such that when God speaks to our minds and hearts, we can identify His voice. So let me pause here and clarify, not necessarily clarify, something I meant to say last week. Uh, Jesus is using a figure of speech here, a metaphor. So what are we not talking about when you hear me say, here's the shepherd's voice and God is speaking to us? We're not referring to the audible voice of God. We are not talking about visions and dreams. The Bible never says anything about our seeking a dream, our seeking a vision, or our seeking the voice, audible voice of God. We are simply referring to God speaking to our hearts and to our minds, to the hearts and minds of men through his word, not adding one thing to it or taking one thing from it. Amen. You with me? Where we're going with this? And so number two that I got into last week that we're going to maybe expand on here just a bit, I added a verse here. God speaks to us primarily through his word as we are being led by the Spirit. Look at 1 Peter here, my writing's too small, 2 Peter here, uh, 1, 20 through 21. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. In other words, we see in this passage that there's a very close relationship between the Word of God and the Spirit of God. That should not be surprising to you and me. It should not be difficult to understand. I remember when I worked in public accounting, there was uh, one of my business partners that could be a bit gruff, if you know what I mean. And you might come in one morning, 
and walk down the hall and walk by Chris and you say good morning and he may respond to you in some way where when you see someone else you're like, Chris is not in a good spirit today. Chris is not in good spirits today, right? We know the spirit of a man by what he says. And this passage is saying God's word, the Holy Scripture, is a manifestation of the Spirit of God. And they're closely tied to one another. That's the reason we went last week to Romans 8, uh, verses 5 through 14, and I'll just abbreviate here, where in chapter 7 he had been talking about the struggles of the flesh at the end of chapter 7. And in chapter 8, he moves to being led by the Spirit. And he's talking about two ways of thinking, two ways of looking at the world. One is the man who's led by the flesh, the natural man and the natural tendencies of man. And then in chapter 8, he's talking about the man who instead is led by the very Spirit of God. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Going on there in Romans 8, For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die, but if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live, because those who watch this, who are led by the Spirit of God, are the sons of God. And then in Psalms 143, it says, Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your gracious spirit lead me on level ground. We, as God's people, seek to be led by the Spirit of God. God speaks to us through his word as we are being led by the Spirit. Let me see if I can give you a real life example of what I'm suggesting to you. If we go to Galatians 5, 22 through 23, a passage that you know very well. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things. There is no law. What does being led by the Spirit look like? How would it manifest itself in our lives? You are led by the Spirit unto love and joy and peace and forbearance and self-control. You with me? And I would pause and I would commend so many of this congregation who week in and week out, day in and day out, you manifest the fruits of the Spirit day by day in the way you serve people, the way you live a holy life. Now let me see if I can connect the Word of God with being led by the Spirit. My brother, uh, uh, I've got four brothers. My oldest brother told me the story of where he went to Lowe's one day and he got some angle iron and uh, he put it in the back of his truck and on the way home it was sticking out the back up on the fender, uh, uh, and he went to another hardware store, and he left this angle iron kind of sticking out of the back uh, of the truck. It was actually up on the tailgate, sticking up in the air, and he had failed to tag, uh, put a red flag or something on it. He went inside the hardware store, and 
And momentarily, just a few moments later, a guy comes through the front door. He was fit to be tied. He was cursing. He had blood running down his face. And it just so happened that he had pulled in next to my brother's truck. And in his rush around the back of his truck, that angle iron caught him right across the forehead. And he was upset. (laughs) And he was looking for someone when he came through the front door. And my brother saw him, knew immediately what happened. How did he respond to him? Did he say, hey, you should have been watching where you were going. You, you shouldn't have been in such a hurry, right? Or challenged him in some way. But instead, he responded to him with kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. He was immediately responsive as to how the Spirit would lead him to respond to this man. And was his response also informed by Scripture? Absolutely. Over in Matthew, as you know, chapter 5, it says, If a man strikes you on one cheek, you do what? You turn to him the other also. That is not reasonable. That is not rational. It is not what the natural man would do. It is what the spiritual man would do. And he was led by that in that moment. Or as you also know, more specifically, Proverbs 15.1 says what? A gentle answer turns away what? Wrath. So he responded with the Spirit of God as he is informed by the Word of God. Are you with me? Amen. The Word of God through the Spirit working in his life and how he responded to that man in that moment. And would you know, as he told the story, he said the man's disposition changed just like that. My brother offered to take him down to to the clinic and get him stitched up and such. Maybe even opening a door to what? Talk to him, witness to him, right? Because of the way he was led by the Spirit to manifest God's will, God's word, God's speaking in his life. Uh, further thought at the end, I think this is kind of where we left, left off last week. I suggested to you that Scripture says we need to test the Spirit. First John 4 and 1. Is what you're hearing from God? And I gave you two or three examples. Uh, uh, Eve in the Garden of Eden, she failed to test the Spirit. Uh, My preacher that I grew up with, when he basically opposed me and said, hey, you changing careers, that's just foolishness to me, he failed to test the Spirit. Perhaps uh, more importantly, uh, Peter, when Jesus forecast that he would be nailed to the cross, Peter opposed him. Peter failed to test the Spirit, which is why I believe Jesus responded to him so strongly. Because Peter, though it sounded brave, it sounded courageous, it sounded loyal, it sounded faithful, the only problem was it just wasn't from God. And the devil had used Peter to oppose the will of God that day. We are to test the Spirit. So I think I had asked you, Uh, Last week, people are hearing all kinds of things in a religious, spiritual context. What are some things people have heard from God that could not have been of the Spirit? Anybody got one you'd like to share? Could not be of the Spirit. 
If I were to give you an example, I can point you to uh, working in marriages and such. I can point you to uh, a man, a Christian man, who says God led him to leave his wife and three daughters for another woman, and he would say that was of God, and I'm here to tell you, it tests the spirit, you didn't hear it from God. I can point you, yes, Todd? Yes, yes, many paths to God. We're just, we're all going to the wrong place. We're just on different journeys or different paths uh, to God, different ways of finding God. Maybe in, also, uh, not including Christ as our way unto God. Yes, sir. Count the cause, and actually, uh, you make a good point, and it it uh, it refers to where we're going here in a week or so. In other words, how do you discern whether God is in this or God is in that? How do you count the cost where you can be confident God is leading me in this way versus that way? It's a it's a great example. If I were to give you another example, I could take you to a website where a former colleague colleague of mine, you would hear her saying that the Spirit of God has led her to rethink the church's response to LGBTQ. And she's talking about loving monogamous homosexual relationships, and I'm like, no, I don't believe the Spirit has led you there. We can test the Spirit, because the very first test of the Spirit that we will see in a week or so is the Spirit will never lead you to a place that is not consistent with His Word. Just say it again. The Spirit will never lead you to a place that is not consistent with God's Word. But we must test the Spirit. I love that, Janice. Did you hear that? She's like, hey, as a husband and wife, God's not going to lead you to different places. That you as a couple learn to discern the Spirit. This is where we're going in a week or so, to where the two of you should be able to discern the working of God in your life. God is not the author of division. He's not looking to lead her one place and him another place. Thank you, Janice. Let me, uh, let me suggest to you that as we seek to be led by the Word of God uh, through the Spirit, that Scripture also says, do not quench the Spirit. Now, and I'm going to... Let's look closely at this. I'm going to suggest to you 
that perhaps in our interest in testing the Spirit, perhaps in our fear of the excesses of the Spirit, we have been far too prone to deny or e- to deny the Spirit or even quench the Spirit's working in our lives in the body of Christ. Listen to me. Perhaps in our interest in testing the Spirit, perhaps in our fears and concerns about those who would suggest excesses of the Spirit, we have been far too prone to deny the Spirit, the working of the Spirit, and even quench the Spirit's working, not only in our lives, but in the body of Christ. Listen to me. It is a failure to listen to God speaking to our minds and hearts when we effectively quench the Spirit, watch this, and deny its ordinary natural and reverent expressions of joy. It is a failure to listen. And we effectively quench the Spirit when we deny its ordinary, natural, and reverent expressions of joy. One commentary I looked at said, And as as fire may be quenched not only by pouring water upon it, or heaping upon it earth and ashes, but by withholding fuel from it, or even by neglecting to stir it up, so... These are my words here. So also the fruits of the Spirit, most notably love, joy, peace, and comfort, can be quenched not only by the commission of known and willful sin in our lives and by immersing our minds too deeply in worldly business and burdening them with worldly cares, but also by omitting to use appropriate, watch this, private and public expressions of the Holy Holy Spirit in our lives, where we quench expressions of joy. Uh, I'm trying to think of this as where I wanted to make this point. Look, I'm going to step out a little bit here. When you and I go to our elders and we oppose something that we, in our own admission, say there's nothing wrong with it, we are being led by fear and not by faith. We are failing to listen to God and the Spirit of God working in our lives. When we literally oppose things, sometimes, oftentimes, by our very own admission, are in the will of God. But I'm afraid of where it might lead to. We are failing to trust our elders. We are failing to be led by the Spirit. And we are failing to listen to God in those moments. You with me? So I encourage you in this study to listen intently to what God is placing upon our hearts what God would have to say to us. So, 
How does God speak to us today? God also speaks to us through other people. And that's part of what I mean by primarily through the Word of God. God will speak to you through other people. Look at this passage. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. God will use preachers and teachers and elders to, who will equip and edify the body of Christ to speak to the minds and hearts of God's people, to admonish, to exhort, and where necessary, to rebuke. And I would suggest to you that the church needs to hear from its shepherds because this passage says God will use you to speak to the minds and hearts of his people. And I would propose to you, I know elders fulfill their responsibility to equip and to edify the body of Christ in various ways. But one of the most encouraging things I have experienced, listening to me, I'm just speaking from my experience in churches over the years. One of the most encouraging things I have experienced over the years has been those moments when one of my shepherds would stand before the body of Christ and speak from his heart concerning the vision, their vision, their dreams for the community of faith which meets in this place. You with me? Those have been powerful moments for me. I personally am blessed very privately with a, to meet and have conversation, conversations with our elders. I meet with Sam Long, breakfast almost every week. Cecil May, breakfast every Wednesday morning. Barry Buford in his office. I meet with these men and I'm blessed to hear from their hearts in a different kind of way. And I've encouraged them along the way. I'm like, the body of Christ needs to hear your heart for the community of faith that meets in this place. Amen. Oh, we have shepherds who love this church, who love you and are deeply concerned about you. Scripture says that God will speak to us through other people. Proverbs twelve fifteen, The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Similarly, Proverbs 19 and 20, Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. So I'm suggesting to you that if you came today to listen to Randy Medvin, you came to listen to the wrong person. Because God will speak through Randy Medvin. It's God you're listening to today, not Randy. And about ten, five or ten minutes of his lesson will be probably scripture and a passage of scripture and then much beyond that will be his own thoughts and such as he's led by the spirit and as long as what he says is consistent with the word of God God is using Randy to speak to you 
And I hope when you leave here, you believe you've heard from God speaking to you. I would suggest to you that uh, in light of this passage of, of seeking instruction and advice, if you go to someone for advice, you be careful who you go to. Why would a, a believer go to a non-believer when the believer is seeking God's direction, God's guidance in his life? There might be exceptions to that, but I'm not sure I know what they are. Even in the financial world, why would a believer go to a non-believer to talk about how to steward God's money? You with me? You be careful that you check out the spiritual life of a person you're going to for instruction and advice. I would also suggest to you here, and perhaps I need to be careful, but I would suggest to you here that we have become far too dependent upon the experts. That, that's a value in our culture. We have specialists. We have experts. I'm not opposed to that. If I've, if, if I've got a plumbing problem, I'm calling an expert, right? But I'm suggesting to you, uh, as much as I believe in counseling and look to train uh, counselors and such, that perhaps within the body of Christ, we have become far too dependent on the trained professionals. Let me say this the way I have it written. We should probably designate some portion of our budget to provide for professional counseling. But what is needed far more than this is that we equip, exhort, and organize the body of Christ in a way that allows the Holy Spirit to work in powerful ways. Watch this. Through ordinary, non-professional people. God's people. Let me say that again. What is needed far more than this is to equip, exhort, and organize the body of Christ in a way that allows the Holy Spirit to work in powerful ways through ordinary, non-professional people. It's too easy to say, go talk to someone where God is saying the body of Christ is his instrument for good in this world. You are to equip the body of Christ to minister to one another. For example, in a congregation this size, there are people who have already walked down the path of a troubled marriage. There are people who have already known the perils of a rebellious teenager. There are people in the body of Christ who have already broken a bad habit or even an addiction in their lives. And if we would only equip and organize them in a way, listen, to extend God's love and grace to hurting people who are on a path that they once trod. Are you with me? Yes, there's a place for the professional, therapist, counselor. Oh, but what's needed much more than that is that the body of Christ, listen, and see themselves as God's instruments in a broken world. Amen? And I would suggest we need to do better.
My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Parents, my son, keep your father's commands and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Bind them upon your heart forever. Fasten them around your neck. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will speak to you. For these commands are a lamp, this teaching is a light, and the corrections of discipline are the way of life. God will use other people to speak to your heart and mind, to children. He's saying God will use faithful mother and father to shape and mold your faith and your character. Number four. God speaks to us through circumstances. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. 1 Thessalonians. Is there a disappointment in your life? Is there a failure? Is there a burden in your life? Is there a hardship? Perhaps is there a success in your life? I'm suggesting to you, whatever it is, God will use it to speak to your heart and your mind. I would propose to you that some of life's hardships, some of life's trials, are strictly of the devil. And if so, the devil's intent is to defeat you, is to undermine your faith and your spiritual walk with God. I would also suggest there are circumstances in your life that may very well be of God. And if they are of God, then God has a few things in mind. One, God may be looking to get your attention. He may need your attention. Or perhaps God is trying to mold you and shape you and transform you in some way. But I'm here to say, whatever it is and wherever you are in your spiritual walk, God has something to say to you. God has something to place on your heart and on your mind. And then I would also suggest there are circumstances in our lives that clearly are not of God. God never intended them for our lives. And they may very well be of our own doing, the consequence of our own actions, the consequence of our disobedience. Watch this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Your hardships, your trials, your struggles, your conflicts, God is working in those things and speaking to your mind and heart to mold you, shape you, and transform your life into the likeness of Christ. Look at Romans 5. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our suffering because we know that suffering produces what? Perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Oh, God is using our biggest struggles to mold us, to shape us, to transform us that we might reflect 
Jesus. Colossians 1, verses 9 through 14, for time's sake, let's look at verse 11. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. I don't know if he's here this morning, but I had lunch with my brother Dennis Itson on Wednesday, I think it was. And I sat there and watched him shake. We talked about his cancer treatments. And I said, Dennis, I've got a prayer I want to send to you. How I see God using you in the midst of your circumstances. Paul says and prays for the Colossians. May you be strengthened with all power. Listen to this prayer. I'm going to send it to Dennis. That they be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might to perform miracles? No. To heal the sick? No. To exhibit gifts of the Spirit? No, not really. To show signs and wonders? No. No, the prayer continues. So that you may have great endurance and patience. Could it be that acceptance of our circumstances, no matter how difficult, is more honoring to you, God, than performing great miracles? Do endurance and patience give you more glory than signs and wonders. Both are done in your power, but the world can see a miracle and still disbelieve. Yet a life that exhibits the power to persevere in the worst of circumstances speaks loudly to a world crying for the ability to just cope. Endurance and patience are witness of the total sufficiency of God. Father, I pray I pray Paul's prayer for my brother Dennis Itzen. I ask that he be strengthened. With all power. According to your glorious might. So that he may have great endurance and patience. Perhaps that's why God could say over in Romans 8, 28, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Amen. Amen. Hey, uh, in two weeks, I've gotten where I thought I'd get in one week. (laughs) So... uh, What have we been talking to? Is God still speaking? How does he speak to us today? He speaks to us through his word. As we're being led by the spirit. He'll speak to your heart and my heart through other people. And he'll speak to us in the circumstances 
of life. But I'm confident of this. God's still speaking. If we would but listen. Hey, look, uh, where we're going next will be God's goal in communicating. Why is God still speaking? What's his goal in communicating to us? How about we close in prayer and uh, we'll pick up there next week, okay? That'd be a good dropping off spot. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would touch our hearts and touch our minds. I pray for the university church, for our community of faith. I thank you for it. Father, I thank you for the fruits of the Spirit that are manifest day by day by the body of Christ that meets in this place. Father, give us the courage to ask what lack I yet, as we would seek to be your instruments for good in this world, as we would seek to not only hear you speak clearly unto us, but we would become your instruments to speaking into the hearts and minds of others, and especially those who do not know salvation in Christ your Son. It's through Christ we pray these things. Amen. Thank you.